This is the Royal Blue Podcast from the Liverpool Echo, giving you the inside track on all the big talking points from Goodison Park. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Royal Blue Podcast. I'm your host, Sam Cannell. Today, joined by Adam Jones, Chris Beasley and Dave Prentice as we chew the fat on what was another good weekend for the Blues with a 1-1 draw at Manchester United. Chris and Adam, you were at Old Trafford on Saturday, early kickoff. When United took the lead, maybe felt like it wasn't going to be our day. A little bit against the run of play, we, we were doing well. And then Super Andros Townsend, Adam, pops up once again. What a sign and he's proven to be. We were talking about it a little bit earlier, wasn't we? That when it kind of all went through, there was a bit of surprise, maybe a bit of apathy. It did seem very underwhelming, but Andros Townsend and Everton, it, it just fits. <laughs> Can I just start by like pointing out where you're filming from? <laughs> where are you? It does look like a prison cell. You let me have an hour a week to do a podcast. Just let me call. He won't call home. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, Andrew Townsend. Yeah, just he's been an absolute revelation, really, since he came, hasn't he? I mean, I think we've talked a lot on the podcast over the last few weeks that you know we. You know, there were some fans who thought he might have been an underwhelming sort of sign and when he first joined and this and that, but he's just instantly bought into the to the sort of Everton mindset that we wanted them to have, hasn't he? You know, he's he's very much a a player who's centered around hard work and determination, but he's got bags and bags of quality that goes along with it as well. I, I mean, he was talking I think he was talking in the official programme last week about losing half a yard of pace when he had an injury in twenty thirteen, I think it was, but you wouldn't have thought that when he was sprinting through on the counter attack. I think, he, like match of the day, said he made a ninety-yard run uh, to to catch to eventually get on the end of Abdullah Dekore's pass. There, you know, that shows an amazing amount of dedication and determination and just raw pace, energy, aggression to to get into that area of the pitch. It was it was absolutely amazing from him. And then, you know, to top it all off, the the little the little dig at Cristiano Ronaldo with the celebration as well. I'm not having anything that he said in the post-match of, oh, I was just paying respects to the GOAT. Come on, man. <laughs> you were definitely having a little dig at him, weren't you? And you were made up that he's probably not seen it down at the other end of the pitch because <laughs> you've still managed to get his shirt at the end of the game. So, uh, yeah, love all that from Andros Townsend. And to be honest, you could say the same about most of Everton's players that, that turned out at Old Trafford on Saturday, to be honest. And uh, I, th- I think he, he just kind of led the way in terms of, dedication and determination and that's that's the kind of thing we've been seeing all season from him but he's one young man who, who does love a, a a big game already in in his Everton career is, is Anthony Gordon he got through in the deep end by Carlo Ancelotti for the Merseyside derby last season and I don't think many of us expected him to be in the starting lineup at Old Trafford what did you make of Anthony's performance yeah, it was a bold call on for a couple of reasons. First, uh, with Rafa showing the faith in Anthony Gordon, putting him in in such a high-profile fixture, you know, at the, the biggest away ground in English football. But also the fact that lovers expected that with um, Alex Awobi being out injured, he'd probably um, go more defensively minded and stick somebody like Tom Davis in there, an extra midfielder. So, yeah, it was a bold call for a couple of reasons. But, yeah, Anthony certainly... He gave as good as he got because he, was get, he seemed to be... Um, being picked out by um, the United players, if thought, oh, here's a young lad, we can rough him up a bit, we'll put a few tackles in on him. But, you know, he, he, he was 
he stood up to all that sort of treatment and put a few uh, meaty challenges in him himself. Yeah, I think. I don't think there were any sort of spectacular moments from it, but away from home at Manchester United, it was a sort of hard working display, and he he, he played his partner. And uh, boy, did he love the celebration, didn't he? For the for, for the um, the equaliser, he really enjoyed enjoyed that, and that was that was a nice moment for him. And uh, yeah, put a real good shift in. Preno, if you're Alex Awobi watching the game at the weekend with uh, I think he loves his he loves his hind beans, doesn't he, Alex? And he also enjoys a glass of Vimto bees. I know you're a, an orange squash man, but I believe Alex Awobi's a, a Vimto guy. Yeah. Would he be kind of looking over his shoulder now when he's coming back into this team? Do you think Gordon's done enough there on the weekend to potentially hold down a starting spot in the next few weeks? It's certainly given him food for thought, hasn't it? It was um, a real show of faith. Uh, in the young lad by Rafa to select him from the start. Okay, he wasn't absolutely overwhelmed with options at the weekend, but he did have like a couple of like more experienced options on the bench in Gabamin and Tom Davis. That would have meant changing the shape though, and uh, he didn't. You know, so he wanted to play with a wide player in, in Gordon, and so you know he gave him the nod and he didn't let him down at all. I mean, um, all his defensive work was was thorough and was diligent, but he also did what left wingers are supposed to do: got forward and got crosses into the box. Um, it was a solid performance. You know, don't, don't want to get too carried away because Alex Iwobi has done okay uh, in the last couple of games. I know I, I thought he was very, very anonymous in the um, in the QPR game, but then you know, sort of a lot better in the game against Norwich, and he has had a number of other very, very positive performances this season. So it's what we want: competition for places. And obviously, it's um, it's difficult to do that when you've got so many players on the injured list at the moment. You know, so but you know, so Anthony has certainly given another option uh, to the manager. And he certainly didn't let anybody down. So yeah, you know, so he was one of a number of success stories um, on the uh, on the afternoon that we can point to. Uh, and just it's all very very positive. It's great to be able to come out of a game, you know, so talking with all the number of positives. You know, about half a dozen positive things you could point to in that game. Thoroughly deserved point. Could have been even better, uh, but it wasn't. You know, so but you know, I think beforehand we'd have taken a point. I certainly would have done. And uh, so yeah, we go into international break in good heart, which is important. Because, you know, if you get a bit of a turning over, you know, going into a, a fortnight's break, it does weigh heavily on the mind. But this is quite the opposite now. Everyone's got like a little bit of a spring in the step and it's like, we basically can't wait for the next game now. Especially with our two title rivals dropping points yesterday, Preno. <laughs> yeah, what a game that was. <laughs> <laughs> no, it was. It was good to see. I mean, uh, you know, we've had a good, really good start. What is it now? It's the best start we've made since 2004-05. Don't want to get too carried away with things like that because you know the, the fixtures have been relatively kind to us so far. Um, you know, some difficult fixtures in there, but some ones that you'd expect us to win. But we've done just that. Uh, I prefer to go with the other Rafa Benitez mantra of just taking one game at a time. West Ham up next, you know, so on the Sunday afternoon, and you know, so worry about that one next. But for the time being, we're in a really good position on the table. We've had some really good results, and we're playing progressive football. I mean, that was a trip to Old Trafford where, okay, we've had points the last two times we've been there. But they're very different games. I mean, the one that Duncan Ferguson took charge of, you know, we basically tried to suffocate them. The three-three draw was a bit of a smash and grab one. It was like, you know, so we were well out of it, and then you know, suddenly like pinched a couple of goals like late on. This was a game where we actually threatened throughout, uh, you know, so lots and lots of opportunities on the counter and looked like, you know, so we could get at them. And so for me, it was probably the more enjoyable of the last three draws that we've had there, even though it was only a 1-1, because I thought we thoroughly deserved it and totally deserved, you know, so to get the result that we did. Adam, the big talking point after the game, and 
think we've all spoken about this at some point over the weekend. Tom Davis, pass, shoot, right decision, wrong decision, a, a player running low on confidence. What what do you what was your you've watched it there live in real time. It's easy, I suppose, to take the screenshots and slow it down. And you know, it does look like you've got a lot of time, a lot of space. A little bit different in in real time. Do you think it was the right decision, or do you think a player with a little bit more confidence just puts his foot through that and and, and tries to put in the bottom corner? Yeah, I think I, th- I think that 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 is in essentially what it comes down to, isn't it? I think Tom Davis probably is a player who's running low on confidence a little bit, especially you know after the you know he was the unfortunate one that missed the uh, penalty in the shootout last week, wasn't he against the uh, QPR? Yeah, maybe. Maybe something like that is even playing on his mind. He's not really had loads of game time in the Premier League so far this season. Uh, so he just wanted to make a, a big impression. And you can see Yeri Mina out of the corner of his eye, probably. And he's and he's thinking, well, it's a guaranteed goal if I pass it, pass it across and, and Yeri Mina stays on side. So I think there's an element of maybe Yeri Mina's, you know, a bit too a bit a bit too confident and you know, a bit too eager to to get to that ball and he does he does run offside in a position where I, I think there's no real excuse for him to run offside there like there was no there was no need for him to try and get that extra yard there he was going to get to that ball regardless so i don't think i don't think any mean has done done himself too many favors in that situation i would i would have to say but yeah, i can't help but look at that you know we were we were looking at it in real time and as soon as as soon as the ball went in i said to bees that's definitely offside so surely in my head, Tom Davis would have known that before he plays the pass. So I just don't know why he doesn't shoot. I don't think you've got anything to lose from just, I don't think it's even a position where you need to have a lot of precision, to be honest. He's got a lot of the goal to aim at. Davitea is uh, certainly on the back foot in that sort of scenario, I would say. Just hit it. <laughs> just, just hit it really hard. Like, it, like It's very simplistic, but just is it really hard Probably at the near post, high into into the near post. I don't think Davidea would have had any any sort of hope of getting to that. And you know, maybe if it fell to a different player on the pitch, you know, if it was a Demari Gray in that situation, I think it's a goal. I think if it's an Andros Townsend, it's a goal. You'd like to think if it was Rondon, it would have been a goal. Uh, if there, there were a lot of players on the pitch, you probably would have had a lot more confidence than Tom in that sort of scenario. Uh, but at the same time, I don't think you could you can ignore the fact that you know. I mean, Yeri Mina's come out after the game and said it was the right decision to play the pass. Andros Townsend said it was the right decision to play the pass. Rafa Benitez has said it was the right decision to play the pass. So, at the end of the day, it it, it it's just one of those unfortunate things, isn't it? I think in hindsight, you can look back at it and say, well, especially when you're an academy kid who's come through at Everton, Boyhood Blue. Uh, last minute of the game, down at the uh, down at the end where the Everton fans are at Manchester United, it's kind of a dream come true for you to to score in that position, isn't it? But perhaps Tom Davis was just thinking of the wider wider game, and he thought Yeni Mina was in a better position to score, which essentially he was, but he just didn't he didn't keep himself on side. So I think there's a a number of factors at play there, but it it is disappointing that Tom Davis didn't shoot, but. Like it is, it kind of goes back to a point that we were making at the start. The fact that we can come away from Old Trafford disappointed that we've only picked up a point, and we can point to you know a, a situation like this as being a, a key moment in the game, which might have got us a victory. You know that's 
that's that's a position I certainly didn't think we were going to be in going into that game uh, with the with the injury issues that we had. So I think it's I think it's in in some weird way a, a little positive that we're talking about this, a moment like this. To be honest, but yeah, I probably would have liked Davis to shoot in me in me half of heart. And for regular listeners of the Royal Blue Podcast, bees, they'll know that I did predict the two-one Everton win. Yeti Mina scored in the last minute and doing his dance. Was you was you prepared <laughs> to put Adam on your shoulders yeah. when the ball went into the back of the net? I think we'd have had a hot reception, wouldn't we, from the from the, <laughs> yeah. the locals? Yeah, it saved my shoulders with anything else. Um, yeah, like I say, it was. It's got to be a positive, like Adam has said, because um, with, with with the team Everton had to put out. Fact that United were so strong they could afford to start with Ronaldo, Sancho, Pogba on the bench and then bring them on. In those kind of circumstances, we're playing at a ground where would have only been the third win in 30 years for Everton. You are ruining it. You're just thinking, oh, no. Similar sort of position where he'd actually scored his, obviously, he'd gone on an amazing run first, but when he scored his first goal in professional football um, against United's um, neighbour City at, at Goodison, you know, sort of to the right there of the, the six yard box with the, by the keeper. And, you know, he, where he's, he'd had the sort of like that carefree attitude of, you know, the, the teenager who just come in then when he, he'd gone and done that. Now, you know, the world weariness of someone who's been in the first team squad fighting for his place for, for a number of seasons. Yeah, I would have liked to have seen him, you know, back himself. And I can understand, obviously, why, like we said, you know, he's been the team player there and just squaring it for what he should. He thinks it is an easy tap in for for Mina, so perhaps we should blame Mina for not keeping himself on side. But yeah, I'd have liked to have seen Tom shoot, and I'm not just saying that because obviously Mina was was offside. He's, you know, like to see him have that self confidence to back himself in in that situation. There's a lot of players, certainly, you'd imagine any sort of striker in that position would have, would have shot himself. And obviously, Tom's a more defensive minded midfielder. But yeah, you'd have liked to have seen him. Back himself, but yeah, it's it, it's positive at least we're, we're talking about that. But frustrating given that you know wins are so few and far between for Everton at Old Trafford. Certainly over this past generation, I've actually got a, a piece I was preparing today. It's coming up at some point um, this week soon. Just looking at Everton's record away against the, the so-called Big Six, and um, it's not particularly oh worth reading um, compared to. There are other rivals from the rest of the division because we're looking at okay, you know they are this this elite half a dozen who have got far more resources than the rest of the division. But I'm sort of looking at that compared to Everton's other rivals amongst those other dozen clubs, and um, it, yeah, it's not brilliant. As a as a goal hungry striker yourself, Dave, you must have been <laughs> screaming at the television at about two o'clock Saturday, I imagine. It won't surprise anybody listening to this who's seen me play to know that there's no way on God's earth that I was ever passing that. <laughs> I'd have backed myself to slip it uh, slip it to the right, uh, so to the his left. But uh, now Ian Rice drew a nice nice little graphic on a Saturday night as to the run that Tom Davis should have made uh, if his first touch would have been you know, sort of fraction more central before then finishing. But that's spoken like a centre-forward, you know, so backs himself every single time. This is a young man who's just missed a penalty in a penalty shootout in a Carabao Cup tie. Probably had a bit of flack on social media from that as a result of it. And so just wanted to play it absolutely straight. And so, yeah, he should have shot. You know, so, I mean, Rafa and Andros Townsend and Yerry Mina all said afterwards he took the right decision. But I also heard Rafa, you know, so say 
Uh, I bet you wish Tom Davis had shot there. And he actually said, you know, well, yeah, yes, yeah, I wish he had. But then obviously they've all closed ranks afterwards and tried to protect uh, protect the young lad. Yeah, I mean, I could have done him, you know, so a real favour by, you know, so just timing his run a little bit better. But this is a centre back who's maybe not used to being in that position. And, you know, so absolutely, you know, so full of excitement to the possibility of grabbing an 85th minute winner at Old Trafford. So he was probably a bit too impetuous as well. So, you know, all in all, it was a little bit frustrating, but fortunately it wasn't, you know, so massively costly in the long run because we got a well-earned point. Would have been nice to have finished it off in that respect. And imagine, you know, so Tom Davis, you know, so how he'd feel if he'd have managed to slip that one away. You know, so the, the young lad is absolutely buzzed again then. But, you know, it's not been too hard on him at all. You know, so it was a good point. You know, it was a, it was a good result in the end of it. And uh, as you've already said, it's great that we're actually talking about this in the back of a, a solid result rather than a what might have been, you know, in terms of a negative result. So, you know, so all in all, all in all, you know, so lots and lots of positives to take from it. We spoke on Friday, Adam, about the battle that Yeri Mina probably when he was in the team hotel the night before the game would have been relishing up against Cristiano Ronaldo. He didn't actually get to have that battle until the second half. It was quite Surprising that Ole Gunnar Solskjaer benched Paul Pogba and, and Cristiano, maybe pointing to how he viewed that fixture with, with the players Evan had missing. But you do have to love Yeri, don't you? He scored his goal. He must have known deep down it was going to be tight for offside, but didn't care. Straight over to the corner. Dance moves out. What a, what a man. Dance moves out. Fan in the crowd, giving it giving it the big one. Way. It wasn't even the, with the little hand gestures, which, which I did love. But it was just, it was just a typical Yeti Mina performance that we've seen from him so far this season. I don't think, you know, to the naked eye, I don't think he he necessarily, you know, did a lot in in, in defence. And that like that's not any any sort of slight on him at all. I think that's a hugely positive thing that you don't really notice what what he's doing. Like he just he just goes about and casually does his thing for most of the time. I don't think Manchester United had a lot of joy uh, up against him at all. I can't remember a, a time when Edinson Cavani like, essentially went up against uh, Mina at all because I don't think he, he would have won that battle. I can't really remember, even after Cristiano Ronaldo came on, obviously he had that shot that flashed across the box. Not sure there was much that Mina could have done about that in that scenario, but I can't remember another time where Ronaldo really came up against Yeri Mina. Uh, the only thing that I can really remember of Mina, apart from scoring the offside goal was getting weirdly suplexed by Paul Pogba in the in the middle of the, of the box, which was very bizarre and somehow didn't lead to a booking, which is just absolutely mental to me. And uh, him getting involved in that little that little argy-bargy that happened when Scott McTominay tried to drag Luca Dean up to his feet. Yeni Mina was straight over and <laughs> right in McTominay's face and and giving it loads as you as you probably would have expected from Mina. But I think that's just a testament to how well he's playing this season, isn't it? That he is just solid as a rock at the back. And even going to a place such as Manchester United, you know, maybe in past seasons we had it in it in our heads that, you know, well maybe Yeni Mina's got a little bit of a mistake in him, blah, blah, blah. I don't think he's really had that in him at all this season. I think he's been hugely composed when he's been when he's been on the pitch, uh, hopefully he'll be able to keep himself fit enough to have a, a really decent run of games because he just looks so solid, so comfortable. He, I think he's got, I think he's got bags of energy, bags of pace at the back. He's really strong, great in the air. I think he's our, probably our best centre back at bringing the ball out and starting attacks from that back line as well. 
So that, that's the kind of thing that we want to see from Yeri Mina. And, you know, it's very interesting that we've now got a situation where he, you know, he's got this season and then he's got next season and then he's he's out of contract, isn't he? So he, he seems to be the prime candidate, I would say, for a new contract at Everton because playing the way he is, he is Everton's best centre-back at the minute. I don't think Everton can really afford to be allowing their best centre-back to be going towards the end of his deal. Like, I know there's still some people who think that you know maybe he's he's a prime candidate for us to cash in on, but I, I just don't see that at all. I think he's an absolutely fantastic player. He's still 27, I think, in terms of a centre-back. He's still got ages and ages left in him, especially with the way he plays the game. He's still got ages in him as well. So I, I would love to see him. Uh, well, I'd love to see the club kind of prioritising a new deal for him and I'd hope that uh, he can keep as fit as possible because it's performances like that against Manchester United just just cruising through that game as comfortably as he did. You know, that's the kind of that's the kind of Yeti Mina that we want to see and that's that's why we've got so much confidence in, in him uh, and we've had that in him so far this season and let's hope it, uh, it can continue over the course of the rest of the campaign. The Royal Blue Podcast from the Liverpool Echo. Adam is right in what he's saying, Beers, but it's been a kind of almost quiet emergence for Mina. I, I can't really put my finger on when it quite happened, but he has emerged as a as a real leader for Everton in that back line, and it does certainly seem to be one that would be high up on the list of Rafa Benitez and Marcel Brands of saying, let's get this sorted, because you you don't want any player starting the majority of the games to, to be entering that kind of grey contract zone where other teams might start trying to unsettle them or, or, or lodging a bid. But would you agree that a, a new Mina deal should be a priority and that he is at this current point Everton's best centre half? Certainly, that the first part of your, of your, of your question there, yeah, with the, and the, um, in terms of a deal, like I said, um, you know, at the peak of his powers, um, and, you know, v- valuable international player, you, you don't want to be um, risk potentially losing somebody like that. On the cheapest, or whatever he's he's the best. Um, time will tell because I think there's not much between them. And somebody that certainly at the moment he is, he's the he's the one in form. I don't think you can question that. But you would have to hope that over the next year or two, somebody like Ben Godfrey would really emerge. I mean, it's strange, obviously, at the moment playing out of position, doing a job for the team again, playing at right back with Seamus Coleman out. Did very well at left back at times last season when Luca Dean was out. But um I know Godfrey very much sees himself as a centre back first and foremost. And you know, yes, he's having to, to help out. But he'd be the one um you'd think could could come could continue to progress over the year uh, the, the coming years. But um Yeti Mina's um certainly the, the the most dominant figure in the um at, at the moment. Um him and Michael Keane's probably similar in experience and um Sort of st- styles as well, but whereas, although he's not the natural um, English speaker, Mina seems more the, the leader in there. In that, um, you see, Keane has become more of a talker and a bit more leadership, but he almost like leads by example. But yeah, it's, it, um, it, it, like Adam said, the, the big thing is he's cutting out those mistakes. At the, in, in the past, you thought, oh, you know, as good as he is, as dominant as he is in the air. Uh, was maybe always a fear that he would just switch off for a moment and then you know, it could prove costly. I think just eradicating those sort of silly, unnecessary mistakes, I mean, that's huge for somebody in his position. You just have that assurance in, in him and you, you're not 
concern that he, he might just switch off and i guess that that comes with ex experience and um yeah we're seeing there yeti mean very much uh the, the peak of his powers right now so yeah you definitely be wanting him to sign that new deal and uh, to commit his his long-term future to the club your new uh new family pet making the royal blue debut here pal gladys street apprentice to give her her full name <laughs> like, like the street as well correct like, like janet street porter but is street apprentice. <laughs> yeah, she's been a bit of a nuisance at the moment, so I apologise for her interruptions. <laughs> for people who don't have the luxury of seeing your your beautiful face, what 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 breed of dog is it? She's a miniature Dachshund, um, uh, sixteen weeks old, very very new to the family. But yeah, she's uh, she's she's good as gold, and yeah, making a, a bow on the royal blue debut. <laughs> are you a are you a similar uh, a similar fan of of Yeni Mina, Dave? Is he is he high little, up there in your estimations right now? I'm, no, I'm I'm a little bit torn. I mean, uh, he's had a very good season, and uh, you know, so hasn't put a foot wrong so far. Uh, but I think we've discussed in the past about you know whether he should or shouldn't be offered a new long term deal. He's 27. Uh, just turned 27 and he's I don't know the problem with him is his consistency in terms of fitness he just seems to pick up injuries you know so quite regularly and uh, has to sit out you know so a month there you know so three or four weeks there and do you really want to be offering a long-term contract to somebody that maybe you know so isn't as reliable as other members of the squad You've also got Ben Godfrey, like we say, you would think is going to be the heir apparent. I know he's not started the season in the same vein in which he finished last season, but that's down to the COVID issues. And we all think Ben Godfrey is going to be a very, very good uh, footballer for Everson Football Club. And then Jared Branthwaite as well, you know, so we don't know quite how he's going to develop also. So I'm not sure about a long-term deal personally. I mean, I like Mina. I like what he's done this season. He's got great uh, personality about him. You get the impression he's one of the characters in the dressing room. And, um, you know, so he, he is a bit of a leader out there as well. I wouldn't be against it, but I'm certainly not massively, you know, sure that I want him to be offered one. Uh, Rafa might have his own ideas about, um, you know, players elsewhere. I know we consistently get linked with Koulibaly, who's actually a lot older than Yerry Mina. Uh, I'm not so sure about that. Uh, but, you know, there may be other players out there that, that you know, he fancies, you know, so for the long term uh, future of Everton. And given the success of his transfers already, uh, I wouldn't be against him, you know, so identifying a centre half for us. So, you know, quite a, a long winded answer to say, I don't really know. Uh, I wouldn't be, I wouldn't be against him getting a long term deal, but I'm not sure. I'm not sure whether it's the right idea to actually be, you know, sort of trying to try tie him down just yet. You mentioned Jared Branthwaite there, Preno, but no Mason Holgate, a, a difficult opening to the season for him, yeah. isn't he? He's very much fourth choice centre back right now. He made mistakes start of the season, and you know he was getting he was winding up a fair bit to be honest with there. Uh, you know, so some of them were quite you know quite quite basic errors he, he was making, and you know, so the managers obviously decided that you know, so he's like you say way down the pecking order at the moment, and he's got no one else really to blame at the moment other than himself. Uh, the managers made it clear that you know if you perform in training sessions as well as in matches, he'll select you. That's why Lewis Dobbin got on the bench for the Norwich game and got on. You know, so that's why. Um, you know, so he was on the bench again. That's why Anthony Gordon was selected to start at Old Trafford uh, because you know he showed you know what he's capable of. Mason Hoggett's got to do that. He's got to you know so grasp that challenge and prove that you know so he can do it and uh, become you know so a challenger if you like uh, to Michael Keane and Yerry Meehan who seem pretty established at the moment. Uh, although I think Ben Godfrey will also be knocking on that door quite soon too. Preno mentioned the success of Rafa's transfers so far. 
Adam Andros Townsend been all right so far, hasn't he? Up and down. <laughs> but one man that Marcel Brand has has been speaking about today is is Donny Van der Beek at, at Manchester United. Said he was on the club's list, which I think was a pretty open secret. But although he conceded that it's probably too early to be talking about the January transfer window, very much didn't rule out the potential of going back to Manchester United and and trying to sign Donny Van der Beek on loan. In January, should the club and the player kind of be open to that sort of switch? Would he be a kind of player that would interest you coming into that Everton midfield? I think it's interesting, isn't it? Because I think on the face of it, you know, the midfield probably is somewhere where we do need bodies. So I think if we were looking in terms of a loan, I would say, yeah, Donny, Donny van der Beek on loan kind of does make sense to just get him in for the rest of the season. He's an extra body in there. He's a... He's a quality player, as we've seen from his time at Ajax, rather than you know his time at Manchester United, which has been you know a little bit a little bit sparse to say the to say the very least. So you know it, it would be a similar situation, I would think, on loan as the likes of maybe a Demani Gray and an Andros Townsend. You know he'd be coming to Everton with a whole lot to prove, and he'd want to be working really desperately hard to get into the team and uh, to try and prove himself. I think it would be interesting to see how he would fit into this team, to be honest, because I think you know, we've talked a lot this season so far about how good Alan and Abdullah Decore have been so far this season. I think it's mad that we've got so far in the podcast without mentioning Abdullah Decore, actually. I think he was I think he was, he was arguably man of the match against Manchester United with how well he played. But it was it's that it's that perpetual motion that I mentioned last week that Abdullah Decore has got and you know, he's, he's up and down the pitch absolutely everywhere. You saw him in the last minutes uh, of the game at Old Trafford. In, it's deep into added time. Uh, he was the one chasing down centre-backs to try and uh, close them down and make sure that they couldn't launch one final attack in the in the dying seconds of the game. And it's that kind of that kind of effort and desire, you know, that, that as, as I mentioned before when I was talking about Townsend, it's that kind of thing that Everton fans love to see. But Decore's got so much quality about him as well, as we saw in in the goal with the little uh, the little cut inside and then the perfectly timed pass towards Townsend. If Donny van der Beek were to come into the side, uh, would you see him stepping up and replacing Decore in that kind of sense? I'm not sure I necessarily could. So you look towards Alan, who's been, you know, obviously fantastic, uh, more in the defensive side, although he has been getting forward, as we said last week, when he uh, when he won the, the penalty against Norwich. Uh, he has been getting forward, but I think it's his defensive qualities that have made him really, really impressive so far this season. And that was the case again against Manchester United. Could I see Donny van der Beek coming in and potentially stepping into his shoes? I don't think I necessarily could could see that either. So potentially you'd be looking at some sort of system change if you were going to bring in Donny van der Beek and if you were going to actually utilise him for the rest of the season. I think that same could perhaps be said of some uh, other Everton players. Uh, that we've currently got at the minute. I'm thinking particularly of somebody like a, an Andre Gomez, for example. I don't think he necessarily fits into a profile of replacing either a Decore or an Alan in this kind of system. But so if we were going to change change system a tiny little bit, then I think he, you know he would be a fantastic body to to add in for the rest of the season, as long as it, it is alone. I'm, I'm not sure I'd be convinced on him in in any sort of permanent sense. So if if it's just a loan, then I'd be okay with it. But I don't know, for me, I, I just think priority should really lie 
elsewhere. If we are going to only be able to make like a couple of signings in January, for example, I'd much rather see us be going after a right back, for example, or you know, maybe another winger or something like that, rather than maybe even cover at left back as well. Uh, considering even the under twenty threes haven't got a right back, uh, a left back, sorry, at the minute. So perhaps even those positions I'd be looking at as a priority more than I'd be looking at midfield. But you know, if if we are desperate for a midfielder, then I think we could do a lot worse than getting in Van der Beek on loan. So I'd, I'd I'd be okay with it as long as it was a loan. As I mentioned, Abdoulaye Dekorde and Alan at Manchester United on the weekend bees, but what a start to the season they both had. I think Alan kind of was up and down with his form last season, but he's been really consistent so far. But as Adam's pointing out, Dekorde just totally seems like a a different player. Rafa Benitez is just getting a tune out of him that I don't even think many people seen during his time at Watford. Yeah, I mean, it's, a, it's just a testament to what um, what a good player he is. The fact that um, he, he was chased by Everton for a long time and obviously he was wanted by under the Marco Silva regime and then um, they got him under Ancelotti and now Benitez, like you say, is getting um, attributes out of him that none of us really saw in the past under um, under the previous managers. Um, yeah, there's so much more than just, um, I mean, when you see him with those big long strides, you think, oh, he's just um, somebody who's going to cover every blade of grass, get up and down, and is doing a great runner, which he is. But he's also got, you know, a real real sort of um, eye for picking a pass as well. We, we Obviously, we saw the, the great um, ball through for, for Townsend for, for the goal and the move um, with Marley Gray. And then, I mean, he's not the first time he's done it this season. We saw... The, uh, the the Burnley game was it with that great diagonal as well. I mean, if if that had been say one of the more um, say illustrious midfielders in the, in the division, who um, would be we'd be going on about that for weeks. So yeah, there's just so much more to him. And the fact, like I said, that at this stage in his career, you know, was somebody in his late twenties now, and Rafa's attention to detail to just to sort of to eke out those those attributes from him that, you know, he's much more than a, a mere water carrier. You know, he can be a playmaker as well. And it, 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 it's, it's terrific, really, a really sort of versatile, dynamic um, midfielder. And he's just a sort of um, player that um, Rafa wants. And we, we, we spoke about this before, obviously, um, with Ancelotti. Everyone was made up to have Ancelotti, but, you know, universally approved, uh, approved at Everton, sort of like unlike any of the other managers in recent years. Whereas, obviously, Rafa was the one very controversial and not necessarily the first choice for a lot of people. But maybe without him being the the manager Everton wanted, perhaps he was the manager Everton needed. And that it's just his, his eye for detail and that attention to detail. Whereas, you know, you look at his profile, similar age to Ancelotti, he's been in a lot of sort of similar positions. But as actual coaches, as managers, they're actually quite different in that. See, Ancelotti used to massaging those big egos and getting the best out of the absolute stellar players, whereas Everton's players need to be coached a bit more. And um, he's getting the best out of what we've got there, whether that be Decore or someone like Townsend or Damari Gray, who again was exceptional at the weekend and um, played a button that, that equalising goal and you know has, has been on it from, from day one. And he's also doing it with, with other players as well. So, yeah, it, it, it's testament to both the player and the manager. Just... The, the way that the Corey has been playing and, you know, those little details that Rafa's been able to pick up and um, got him doing things that he hasn't been doing in the past. It is an interesting point, isn't it, Preno, that when, I know you'd previously championed Rafa Benitez in the past to take over as Everton manager, but 
when he first came in, it, it just felt so divisive and it did feel like these first seven games were going to be make or break for him. But a, a, a bit of a kind of mad 11 minutes at Aston Villa aside, it, it's all been plain sailing so far, but this was very much the, the start he needed and it, it really does give Everton such a strong platform to, to kick on after that next international break. Yeah, definitely. I mean, um, yeah, I mean, he's always been a very, very good coach and that, that was never going to change. Um, you know, always confidence, you know, he was going to bring that to the table. What surprised me a little bit, maybe, is um, the, the untapped potential in the Everton squad that he's spotted uh, yeah. and he's brought out. Um, like you say, different qualities in some players' games that we weren't maybe previously aware of. I mean, Abdullah Dekore spoke after the game where he talk, spoke last week where he talked about um, you know, sort of how he'd been asked to play this like defensive shield role uh, last season, which he was happy to do. But he's probably more comfortable being like a box-to-box player and has got quality you know, sort of in and around the box, as we saw with that incredible goal on the opening day. Uh, and, you know, but for like a, a fractional offside, you know, in the Burnley game, he could have three goals already, plus you know, numerous assists. Rafa actually spotted that, you know, sort of part of his game and thought, well, no, we can utilise that a little bit more. And they do look like a great pairing, don't they, Alan and Dekure? You know, so they just like dovetail so neatly together. So maybe there's other, you know, sort of untapped potential, you know, in the Everton squad to be released. Uh, it's quite interesting, actually, to look around and just see how many more people are being converted to Rafa Benitez at the moment. I mean, I've seen a not large number on uh, on social media over the last couple of days. People being big enough to hold the hand up and say, yep, didn't want him, but, you know, I'm happy to say I was wrong, you know, so he's done a really, really good job. Now, I'm not so soft enough to say that that, you know, sort of mood can't change very, very quickly, you know, so if we suddenly suffer two or three defeats in a row uh, or he makes a controversial selection that not everyone agrees and it doesn't work, and um, you know, so they might be turned back against him again, but but for the time being, it's been a really good, solid start to the season. And don't want to get too carried away, but you know, th- there is potential for this to be a good season. You know, so let's let's just play it a game at a time and just like very very slowly see where it takes us. But yeah, he hasn't put a foot wrong so far. You know, so you know that little meltdown against Aston Villa that you mentioned was nothing to do with managerial selection or anything. If anything, you could argue it was like dodgy officiating, you know, so not giving that decision yeah. against Amari Gray just before it all went pear-shaped. Uh, so all in all, it's been a very, very promising start. And I'm actually looking forward to seeing, you know, sort of where it takes us. And hey, you know, so sort of optimism, you know, so sort of going into an international break in October, I think we'd have taken that at the start of the season. And Adam, none of us like the international break Really, you know, when it, it draws around to the weekend and, and we don't have our usual fix of the toffees, but could this be one where it's coming a good time for Everton? A good result, as Preno points out earlier in the episode, but let's get another week of rest into the legs of Richarlison, Dominic Carver-Lewin, Seamus Coleman, and let's hope that when we come out, they are, if not back, as close back to full fitness as they can possibly be. Yeah, I think that's it, isn't it? You know, we I think we said we've said so often over the last couple of seasons that you know perhaps an international break has come at the worst time for us, just as we've been you know building up any sort of momentum, something like that. An international break just seems to come along and stunt that a little bit. I don't think that's necessarily the case, and I think that uh, this time around, and I think that those injury returns are central to that really, not just for those players themselves, even though it will obviously be great. When uh, Everton can allow Dominic Calvert-Lewin, Richarlison, Seamus Coleman, even the likes of Andre Gomez, Iwobi was missing at the weekend as well. You know, there's a lot of players in the squad who are, who have been currently unavailable. And Rafa Benitez has pointed out in both of his 
last two post-match press conferences, the, that put, that not only makes his squad a little bit weaker and a little bit more depleted, but it puts a lot of extra pressure on those who actually are playing these games as well. You know, the likes of Andros Townsend, for example, he was starting even in the League Cup game against QPR. He's he's had a lot of football in his legs already this season and playing the way that he plays. You know, it's no, it was you know hardly any surprise to see him taking off after. 70 minutes against Norwich last week because he was just, he must have just been absolutely shattered. And I think there's probably a lot of players who are like that. You know, I'm sure Abdullah Decore doesn't really show it when he's on the football pitch, but I'm sure he must be absolutely knackered with the way he's been playing football this season. Alan's probably the same. Damari Gray. I imagine Salomon Rondon because, you know, he's hardly had a pre season in him and the amount of football that he's played over the last few weeks must be so draining on him. And there's going to be a lot of players in the squad who are like that. So hopefully this international break, you know, obviously a couple of the lads are, are going off and representing their country. So they won't get uh, the, the same amount of rest as other players might. But, you know, there's a lot of players who will get uh, the benefit of you know just a couple of weeks rest, uh, maybe shake off any sort of issues that they might be having in terms of fatigue over the next couple of weeks. And then hopefully we will be able to add in uh, the likes of, well, especially Calvert-Lewin and Coleman, you're looking at the, those being the ones, especially now that they've been back in individual training already, you would hope that given another two weeks to to train that they might be ready for that West Ham game. It's going to be interesting to see what happens with, with, with Richarlison because I think he's only been really seen in the gym so far rather than doing any sort of individual sessions on the grass. So it'll be interesting to see how close he is to full fitness by the time that West Ham game comes round. But just any way that we can relieve some of the pressure on uh, these tired legs in in the squad at the minute, I think is absolutely vital. So yeah, I, I'm I'm quite happy with the the timing of this international break. And as Prano said right at the start, you know, especially getting a a good result going into going into this international break as well. I think that's key as well, isn't it? Just to just to keep up a little bit of morale at least over the last over the next two weeks. Well, lads, thank you very much for joining us. We will ourselves rest up for a couple of days. I'll be back with another episode later in the week to talk more things. Everton, thank you so much, everyone, for listening. We have been the Royal Blue Podcast. You've been listening to the Royal Blue Podcast from the Liverpool Echo.